hopefully, all of us, under the sound of my voice, have made certain realizations or discoveries in life that helps guide us in how we think. May I share with you some of the realizations that I've made over these past few years? Um, I realize, brothers and sisters, that at 42, I can't do some of the same things the same way I did at 22 or even 32. Um, I realize that people who relish the idea of being situationally aware, well, them folk just really nosy. <laughs> okay. um, I realize that I'm not politically charged. That truth means more to me than aligning myself with a certain political party or bent. I realize that after four children and nearly 20 years of marriage, that I had better not start acting a fool, cheating on my wife. Tell us why, Jason. It's cheaper to keep her. And the church said, all sorts of things as life progresses, don't we? Um, we realize that vacations are necessary to preserve balance in life. Um, uh, we realize that everybody doesn't like us. And boy, how freeing it is when you come to the realization that you don't care. <laughs> we realize all sorts of things in the natural. But the question on the floor is, brothers and sisters, is how many of us are paying attention to and are realizing what's happening around us and to us in the supernatural? How many of us realize and understand that Satan is an actual being and he has a real plan for your life? I know, I know. We, we think that only God has a plan for our lives. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. But guess what? Satan's plans may not be spoken like God's, but he has plans nonetheless. Satan has plans for us. And amongst all the things that we've come to realize, brothers and sisters, this morning I want us to think about this as it relates to our message this morning on the subject of realizing Satan. We make a lot of realizations in life. But how many of us realize that Satan is real and he has a plan, a powerful plan for the lives, not of just unbelievers, but for believers? He's got a plan. The church, I believe, um, not EBC specific, but, but the church by and large um, ha has done a rather poor job, I believe, in speaking to the demonic forces and satanic activity over the past several decades. I, I mean, we, we've made church comfortable. We've made our sermons convenient. We preach on uh, wealth, health, and prosperity, that God's got a blessing with our name on it. Uh, but we've neglected to be serious about our nemesis. In fact, to speak on Satan in today's society is almost an unintelligible, unintellectual thing to do. Um, but the Bible, brothers and sisters, is not short of dealing with our demonic adversary. For some 52 times, the Bible in some shape, form, or fashion mentions Satan's name in whatever category he was in. And it's important to know, it's important to realize that Satan has a plan for God's people. That was true for the life of, of Job, wasn't it? I mean, honestly, that was nothing about Job's life that warranted a satanic attack. Not by our standards, we will look at Job and say he's an outstanding man. 
He's a great guy in, the, in, in his uh, society. He does all things well. He's very prosperous. Uh, he obeys God. That was nothing about Job's life um, that signified that he should have been attacked by Satan, but yet he was. Um, Job is, um, is a rather peculiar guy, and, 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 and even his characteristics are, are shown to us in a, in a very uncanny way. Uh, let me see if I can help you understand. Um, most of the biblical characters and, and, and the men and women that we know, um, that their character is unfolded for us over time. Um, we, we, don't, we don't know about everybody's characteristics all at once in most cases. It, it's, 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 it, it unfolds over time. So chapter by chapter, we get to learn something more, something new, something different about whatever character we're looking at, a biblical figure. Uh, case in point, uh, when you look at the life of, of Abraham, uh, the patriarch of, of, our, of our faith, um, a- Abraham's life was unfolded for us, his character was unfolded for us over time. Because in in chapter 12 of, of, of Genesis, we discover that Abram or Abraham was obedient to God. Right. Because God appeared to him and he says, listen, it's time for you to move from where you are and go to a place that you don't know. And the Bible shares with us that Abram moved on God's command. And so he was declared obedient by God. He was obedient to God. But then in chapter three, we realize that, 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 that Abram worshiped God, that he was a worshiper of God. But then in chapter 15, we understand that Abram was declared righteous by God because he believed God's report and God says this is a righteous man now all of those things sound good but also when you get to chapters 12 and chapters 20 you understand that there was a deceptive element to Abram because at the drop of a moment's notice Abram would tell his wife to lie and say baby don't tell these people that, that I'm your husband no way you know how beautiful you are you see how pretty are, but you know, I, I'm not the only one who has eyes to see. Those other guys see it too. So when we walk into this territory, when we walk into this land, just, just, tell, them, just tell them I'm your brother. Yeah, tell them I'm your brother. You know, I can imagine his wife saying, what? You tell them I'm your what? Yeah, I don't care what you tell them. Tell them I'm your brother in Christ. <laughs> but don't tell them that I'm, I'm, I'm your husband. That, that was a deceptive element uh, about him. Um, um, but, but, but when you look at the life of Job, it is very peculiar because Job's character is revealed to us, Andrea, in chapter 1, in Job chapter 1. But it gets even better. His character is not only revealed to us in chapter 1, it's, the, it's revealed to us and outlined us in verse 1. So in verse 1, chapter 1, we get a picture of who Job was and his character. Pull that up for me, if you will, in the NLT. Job chapter 1, verse 1. Here's how it reads. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz, and he was, watched this, blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God, and he stayed away from evil. His character was outlined for us right there in the beginning. It says that one, he was blameless. Now, don't get, get that confused and say, well, I, I can't be like him because I'm not blameless. No, blameless is not synonymous for sinless. That's not what the word blameless means. It just simply means that there was nothing that you could have seen on the outside of Job's life that you could attach to him and call him some sort of sinner. In other words, you know, he wasn't an alcoholic or he wasn't a glutton or, you know, he wasn't one who, who worshiped uh, uh, idols. Uh, you know, he, he, you know he, he didn't do all of these things. That was nothing about Job's life that was readily seen by an outside observer that would call him a sinner. He was blameless according to the scripture. But then not only was he blameless, he was a man of complete integrity and he feared God and stayed away from evil. There was nothing about Job's life that tells us or shows us that he should have been attacked by the enemy because all of Job's life, you know, he was a man, he, he was a, a man of great integrity. And Satan don't attack good people, does he? 
And I believe that's one of the great misconceptions in the Christian faith. That bad things are supposed to happen to bad people. Bad things are not supposed to happen to good people, but yet it does. I want us to look at, at uh, verses 6 through 19 now. I, I, I started not to read these. I started just to provide a summary of it, but, but then I, I thought about, you know, there, there may be some in our audience or some who may be watching online who may not really know this story. Um, and, and so I don't want to be presumptuous and think that I'm always speaking to a body of believers. So let's, let's let the, the message unfold and unpack, shall we? So if we're going to look at this, Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 19, here's how it reads in NLT. It says, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, was with them. Okay, next verse. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. We're going to get back to that later on in the message. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant, Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his prosperity, his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right. You may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses. But don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing and the, with the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farm hams. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all your shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you while he was yet speaking. Another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept through the, from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 13 through 15, Job loses his farm, his farm animals and his farmers by the Sabaean raid. In verse 16, Job loses his sheep and his shepherds as fire falls from heaven. Verse 17, Job loses his camels and his servants are killed by the Chaldeans. Then verse 18, the worst news of them all, a powerful wind of tornado force comes in, hits the house, collapses the house, and all 10 of his children were killed. Brothers and sisters, I, I want you to hear me clearly with this. Job's story proves to us that satanic attacks and activity are not always brought on as a direct result of our actions. Oftentimes, these attacks are unsolicited and unwarranted and unprovoked, and yet they still come. And the challenge for us as believers is, is to not put ourselves on a guilt trip 
wondering what we could have done or should have done differently to prevent tragedy from striking. I should have prayed more. I should have fasted more. I should have read my Bible more. And if I had done these things, then God would not have allowed these tragedies to hit our lives. But that is a misconception from the pit of hell. Because sometimes God may have chosen you and me to go through a tough assignment of experiencing a season of suffering. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, God allows Satan to sift us. No way. No. But Craig, I don't believe that. Okay. And you don't know the scripture. Turn with me. Luke chapter 22. Pull that up for me. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, 32. I want you to hear what Jesus had to say on the matter. As he was speaking to his disciples and Simon in specific, he, he, said, he said, Simon, Simon. You know, it's serious when, when he calls your name twice. You know, I never wanted my mom to call my name more than one time because I knew if she called it twice, something was about to go down. He, he, said, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Watch this. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus told him, he, he, said, he said, Simon, listen, listen, Satan has asked permission to, to sift you. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen a sifter, but my mom, and, you know, when she would cook, she, she would um, make biscuits or pancakes or something and she would, or, or some kind of cake or whatever, and she would use that, that sifter. She would pour, pour that, that hard flour uh, that wasn't broken up properly in, in, in the sifter, and then she would turn and churn it, and so it would come finer and finer and finer until it fell the way that she wanted it to fall. Uh, you know, it, it's a sifter. It takes you through a process. It hurts. It's not something that you enjoy. It breaks you up. But there are times when God allows us to be sifted. And watch this. Jesus told, he told Peter, he, he says, he says, he says, Satan has asked for permission to sift you. And watch what he does not say. He does not say, and I have not allowed it. He didn't say that. He says, Satan has asked for permission to sift you. But I've prayed for you. Not that you won't go through the sifting. Not that he'll take you from the sifting. But, 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 but when on the other side of it, you'll be able to strengthen your brothers and remain faithful to me. <laughs> um, most of y'all are members here uh, and, and, and you all observed and witnessed something here with me just, that just happened three or four weeks ago. I honestly believe, brothers and sisters, that we had a family right here in this church that was being sifted. Um, the, the, the Johnson family uh, and their precious 13-year-old son got the devastating news that, that he had swelling on his brain. And uh, Not only did he have swelling on his brain, but it's, he had a, bl- a brain bleed. You know how serious it is? To have a, a bleed on your brain? That's nothing a Band-Aid can heal or peroxide can fix. And they had to, to, to drill through Darius's head, put a catheter in his head to allow uh, some of that fluid to drain off, off his, his brain. And, 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 and we, we're all just praying and the whole church is praying and we got half of America praying. Because we know what, what kind of God we serve. And, and, and boy, let, let, let me tell you, the most encouraging thing of it all was the self-same week that Darius went into the hospital. I saw with my eyes and you saw with yours a father and his children sitting here in the pews while his son was in the hospital. He was sitting here in the pews and he was praising his God through his pain. 
and I saw people, I saw families, I saw the Gordons and I saw other families outside the, the front doors here and they were laying hands on, 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 on uh, the, the father and the children just praying over this Johnson family that even though they was being sifted, they still were satisfied in their Savior. That's the kind of God we serve. That in the midst of trying, in the midst of hard circumstances, in the midst of dire situations, God will show Satan and he'll show the world that you don't have everybody in the clutches of your hands. Amen. I called Sister Rose or I text her because I was just outdone by that. And I told her, I told her in the text, I said, Sister Rose, thank you for showing us what a family of God looks like under siege. Realization number one, first point, write this down. Realize that Satan uses circumstances in our lives to create chaos. Satan, realize this now. Realize it. Don't don't just realize it. Satan uses the circumstances in our lives to create chaos. You may be involved in an uninvited, unsolicited, unwarranted attack of the enemy. And as often as possible, Satan uses people to carry out his plot. (laughs) You look at the life of of, of Joseph in the Old Testament and so many others. Um, Joseph Joseph was attacked by the very people that were supposed to love him. Um, they, They hated him so much that they were going to kill him. But instead of killing him, they threw him into a pit. And from the pit, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. And from the Ishmaelites' hands, they were sold. He was sold into, into Egypt and went to Potiphar's house. And from Potiphar's house, his wife lied on him, so he was thrown in jail. And he stayed in jail for a very long time. But when God rose him out, he didn't have the kind of mindset that was blaming people. What he said was, what he said was the thing that you meant for evil. He recognized it was evil. Satan uses people to carry out his plots. We may not have had to see, we may not have said that Satan was doing this, but we know that's what he was doing. Because Joseph ultimately was saving the Jewish people whom Satan hates. Always a plot against God's people. Same case uh, with Mordecai and Esther. You think about it. Um, You know, God's name was never really mentioned really. Uh, uh, talked about and, and really neither was Satan but, but we understand that that was a full blown sa- satanic attack Mordecai didn't bow before Haman Haman got so mad that he not only wanted to kill Mordecai but he wanted to kill every last one of the Jews a full blown Satan attack why because Satan uses people as often as he can to carry out his plot um And he is patient enough, watch this, he's patient enough to look for just the right opportunity to create chaos in your camp. Yeah. Satan is patient. Uh, Let me me prove to you. Okay, look at at, at verse 12 um, and 13. It it says in Job, verse 12 and 13 says, all right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with his possessions. But do not harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. You've already, y'all have already missed it. Y'all already missed the point. You missed it. Let me, let me, let me, let me see if I can make it stick. Verse 12, verse 12, do whatever you want with his possessions, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Verse 13, one day, (laughs) one day, you see, Satan is looking for just the right opportunity to create chaos in the camp. Um, And and he, he knows 
the right day is going to come, the right circumstances and situations are going to present themselves, where he says, you know what, it's time for sifting. (laughs) One day, when the circumstances allow uh, or align perfectly, one day, when the opportunity presented itself, one day, when the situation was favorable, Satan attacked. You see, Satan has nothing but time on his hands. And he's watching you, he's watching me, and he's watching us to slip in to cause disruption in our lives. Watch this flow. He, 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 he comes in to, to cause disruption in our lives. Watch this. Disruption causes distraction. Distraction leads to disillusionment. Disillusionment leads to disorder. Disorder leads to division, and division always creates disaster. Disruption leads to distraction. It causes distraction. He disrupted Job's life. Um, Distraction leads to disillusionment. I can't believe that this is happening. Disillusionment leads to disorder. Disorder leads to division, and division always causes disaster. And ultimately, the source is always the devil. (laughs) Satan, my brothers and sisters, uses egos. He uses emotions. He uses change. He uses communication, exhaustion, misaligned motives, keeping records of wrong, pain, suffering, personality differences, and personal temperaments. What do you mean by personal temperaments? You know know the type that says, um, well, you, you have to understand, I'm just this way. Uh, my mama was like this. My daddy was an alcoholic. My mama cussed people out, so I cussed people out. And if you're not careful, I'll cuss you out. Um, I can't help it. I was, here it is, I was born like this. Well, sweetheart, maybe you need to be born again. And for those of us who are born again, we've got to allow the word of God to come and wash away all those things we were born with. (laughs) Stop making excuses. Because for every excuse, you are asking for satanic attacks to come in in your life. God says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Satan will use anything to distract us from being effective followers of Jesus Christ. Here's a truth. I want you to write this down. Here's a truth claim. The more you, your family, or your ministry pursues God, the more Satan is pursuing you. The more you, your family, or your ministry take the time to pursue God, the more Satan is actively, present tense, pursuing you. Which brings us to our second point. Secondly, realize that Satan will stop at nothing once he has you in his scope. Satan will will, will, will create chaos from your circumstances, but secondly, he will stop at nothing once he has you in his scope. Um, I'm a a big um, hunting fan. I I don't get a chance to do much hunting uh, myself because I have four children and a wife. Um, That's my story and I'm sticking with it. (laughs) But I'm I'm a huge hunting fan. I I, I really particularly like uh, weapons. Um, And and I have several of them at my house. Um, And and I'm not using it, you know, to to hurt anyone. I want to go to to the gun range and I do go from time to time, and I get to shoot targets, and I use my scope, and I do all these different things, but, but I particularly like to watch those hunting shows. I, I, know, I know that that's a little bloody and glory, and I probably shouldn't 
I like it anyway. <laughs> and um, um, one thing that, that I understand is that, you know, hunters, hunters, when, when, when they are hunting their prey, um, they, they wait until the right prey comes their way. Uh, and, and then that once they have them zeroed in on their scope, they, they'll stop, that hunter will stop at nothing until that shot is fired. Um, guess what? Listen, uh, hunters don't come ill-prepared. <laughs> they've got guns, they've got scopes, they've got gear, uh, and they do all these different things to, to, to grab the attention of their prey. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, they do different things to grab the attention of their prey. Um, duck hunters make duck calls uh, to grab the attention of ducks just long enough to squeeze the trigger and get that fire off. Um, turkey hunters use fake female turkey props and put them in open areas to lure male turkeys in. Why? Because don't nothing grab the attention of a male quite like a female. <laughs> and, and all the married men say it. Amen. Wives, don't be upset. Just be glad you grabbed his attention. (laughs) But here's another thing about hunters. Um, Hunters will will fire their weapons only, only when their prey is fully exposed or completely vulnerable. Because otherwise they're just wasting time. Um, and, and, And likewise, Satan, our enemy, only attacks us when we are fully exposed are completely vulnerable. Um, n- notice the tactics that he uses in, in Job's life. Um, l- l- look at this. W- watch this. In, so in, in verses 14 and 15, uh, the Bible tells us that, that he attacks Job's farm. Um, the Sabaeans came in and, and they raided the land and they, they took all the animals, they, they grabbed the oxen and they took all of the, of the donkeys, all the farmhands, they killed the farmhands. You see, in, in that particular era, um, oxen and donkeys were used to plow the land for farming. And to get somewhat of a perspective as to how much land um, uh, Job really had, the Bible tells us in verse 3 that he had 500 teams of, donkey, of, of oxen and 500 female donkeys along with many uh, servants and farmhands. Um, so he, he attacked, he attacked um, Job's farm. He attacked Job's farm. But, but then not only did he attack Job's farm, he attacked Job's food supply. Because in verse 16, it says, Fire fell down from the sky from heaven and consumed the sheep and the shepherds. But if that were not bad enough, in, in verse 17, he attacks Job's fleet of camels. You see, uh, the, the camels were used in that day for, for transporting of people uh, and transporting of goods. So, so the, the camels were used. I know we also see, you know, the people that are sitting on the camels and riding, but, but they were not only used for, for transporting people, but they were also used for transporting merchandise. So, so, so common sense has to kick in. If, if, if I'm unable to move my merchandise, not only has he attacked my farm, my food, and my fleet to move my merchandise, but now he's also attacked my finances because I can't move my merchandise. Um. But, but, then, but then if that were not enough, he strikes the lowest blow of them all. Because in, 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 in verse 18, he moves from striking all of those other things that were somewhat significant, but not really, to attacking Job's family. And I don't have to explain to you how important family is, do I? No farm. No food. No fleet. No finances and no family. Satan has him fully exposed, completely vulnerable. He has him in his scope. <laughs> Life as you know it, Job, is now over. Which helps us understand what Jesus meant in John 10 and 10. He said that the enemy comes only to kill to steal, and to destroy. Job experienced this, killing, this stealing, and destroying firsthand. Listen, when, when Satan has you in his scope, 
He'll use sickness. He'll use missed opportunities to advance in your career. He'll use thoughts of never attaining a certain life or certain status in life that you thought you'd have by now. Um, He'll use the death of a loved one taken too soon. Um, He'll use division and divorce in your home. He'll use political unrest and even a pandemic. Anything to expose you and me at the most vulnerable points of our lives to, to launch a major attack on our lives. Anything to make you curse God and lose faith in the Father. Here's something else that I learned about hunters. Um, hunters not only wait for the right time, but they're also looking for the right target. Um, you see, any little old bird won't do for a hunter. Any, any little old deer won't, won't, won't be sufficient. Um, the, the, the hunter is waiting on that 10-point or 12-point buck to come across his path. Why? Because that's a better trophy. Um, Satan is not looking for any old little body to attack. Why? Because Satan is hunting trophies. Um, that, that, that man who wakes up in the morning praying over his wife and children, Satan has it out for you. Um, that, that God-fearing woman who, who spends her time relishing the word of God, I want you to understand Satan has it out for you. That child who's trying his or her best to live a Christ-centered life, Satan has it out for you. That young adult who's actively involved in ministry, pursuing God and trying to live a life of purity, baby, Satan is after you. That minister, that ministry, and that church um, that, that preaches sound doctrine and against sin, Satan is after that kind of ministry. That's what Satan wants. And he will stop at nothing once he has us in his scope. Realize, um, Satan uses circumstances to create chaos in our lives and in the camp. Realize that that Satan will stop um, at at, at nothing once he has you uh, in in his scope. But, but, But thirdly, but thirdly, realize that Satan never gives up. He's never done. Satan Satan never says, that's enough. I'm good now. Uh, I'm finished. I'm completely satisfied. He he never says, Andrea, I'm tired. He never says, he never says, uh, time out. Satan's work, KD, is never done. It's never done. Um, why? Sa- Satan, brothers and sisters, is, is what you would call a, a copycat God. You see, anything that God does, Satan does his best to emulate that. Um, let, let me see if I, I can help, help this make sense. Um, God works and reveals himself in three persons. In three distinct, unique functions. He, he reveals himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Well, well guess what? There is an unholy Trinity as well, consisting of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Um, um, God, the Bible says, uh, operates through mankind. Well, guess what? Satan operates through mankind. The Bible declares that God inhabits or dwells in his people. Well, guess what? So does Satan. So it should come at no surprise to us that Satan's work is never done. Why? Because God's work is never done. Let me see if I can prove that to you. Um, look, look, at, look at 2 Chronicles. Look at 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. Let's, let's, let's look at, 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 what, at what the Bible says about God. The Bible says, 2 Chronicles, pull that up for me, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. Um, it, 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 says, it says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth 
in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now, now, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss that. Uh, we're talking about God. God never stops working. He never stops working. Uh, the Bible says his eyes are doing what? They're searching. His eyes are searching. And, and, and what is God looking for? He's looking to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to him. And, and if that were not enough, I know the Bible tells us in, in, in John chapter 15 and se- uh, John chapter 5 and 17, Jesus says, my father, he tells us directly, my father is always working. And here it is. And so am I. So again, It should come as no surprise that Satan's work is never done. May I prove that to you? Look at Job um, chapter 1 verse 6. And and this time I want you to pull it up in the KJV. Verse 6 through 8. Verse 6 through 8. It says, "Now, now that was a day. When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, I'm going to and fro the earth. And then not only am I going to and fro, but then he says, he says, he says, I'm going to and I'm going fro, but what else is he doing? He says, I'm going what? Up. And and I'm doing what? I'm going down. He's not not finished. He's working. He's looking. He's not done. He's not calling a timeout. He's going to and fro. And then when he gets done going to and fro, then he goes up and then he goes back down. He goes up and then he goes back down. And, And then in the process of doing that, you know, look at the next verse. Look at what God says to him. And the Lord said, to Satan, why are you doing all that busy work? He, he, said, he said, well, have you considered my servant Job? There's none on the earth like him. He's a perfect, upright man. He fears God and he assures evil. He says, Satan is, is going up. He's going down. He's going to. He's going fro. And then God says something that really doesn't make sense. Because Satan never identified his purpose. Satan never said what he was doing going up and down and to and fro. But God who knows all things knows even the motives of Satan. He not only exposes our motives, but he'll expose the enemy's motives as well. He says he's going to and fro and up and down. And then he says, well, while you're doing all this work, have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like him. Um, and, And if we need to understand What Satan is doing as he's going to and fro and up and down, I believe that Peter completes the thought for us. Turn to 1 Peter, still in the KJV, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and look at what Peter tells us about our enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 in the KJV tells us this. He says, be sober. Um, I, I know I know. every time we think of, of, of being sober, we think don't be drunk. Um, yeah, that's true. Don't, don't be drunk with wine, okay? Yeah, but that's not the complete thought of, of being sober. Um, being sober simply means to be serious-minded, um, to, clo- to, to, to be serious about what's going on. And he says, be vigilant. In other words, pay close attention. Your, your mind needs to be serious. Your heart needs to be ready. And he says, and your eyes need to stay vigilant. He said, why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may destroy. So while he's going to and fro, and y'all think he's just walking up and down the earth trying to get into something. No, he's trying to seek whom, not what, whom. Point to yourself, please. You are the who or the whom. He's looking. He's searching. He's going to. He's going fro. He's going up. He's going down. Now, I ain't finna go up and down now, y'all. Y'all wearing me out. 
Seriously. Okay, you, you get the picture. He, he, he's, going, he's going up and down to and fro. And then, and then Peter finishes the thought. He goes to and fro, up and down, seeking as a roaring lion whom he may devour. Not challenge, not just test, not just bring a little circumstance in your life to make you think he is trying to devour you. He's trying to devour us. And Satan will use what he can and who he can to complete his mission. Satan uses circumstances in our lives to create chaos. Satan will stop at nothing once he has you in his scope. And Satan's work is never done. Satan never gives up. Um, to, to be quite honest, I really want to stop right there. To be honest. Um, why? Because I don't think we think enough about him. I'm not saying you got to think to the point of being afraid or scared, but you do need to be aware. You need to make the realization that you have an active adversary who is pursuing you, your family, your finances, your, your business, everything about you. Once he has you in his scope, he's not going to give up until he at least gets a chance to fire the shot. And I really want to just stop right there because, because I don't think we think enough about our adversary. Um, but but I, know, I know that the makings of, of um, a, a good sermon um, is, is to present a problem or a challenge, but then, you know, at least provide some sort of hope. Uh, a good message is going to always or typically... Provide a challenge or give you a challenge, but then give you some hope. I'm really not done. That, there's more to this. That, listen, honestly, we just scratched the surface of the surface bottom dealing with this, this subject matter. But I, got, I have to stop. On my way out, we, you realize that he creates circumstances and situations in our lives to create chaos. We realize that he does not uh, um, um, stop until he has you in his scope and even when he has you in his scope he's going to try to take that, that, that fire and he won't give up until he does it and, and then he, he, never, he never stops he never stops he never stops he goes to and fro up and down looking for somebody to devour he never stops but finally I'm going to give you this little tad bit of hope now I'm going to my seat finally I want you to realize that God is greater than your circumstance Satan uses those circumstances to create chaos in our lives, but we have a God who is greater than our circumstances. And when he's had enough, he will either join you in your circumstances or deliver you from it. One of two things. God, God knows how to join you in your circumstances or he knows how, how to deliver you from your circumstances, and it's up to him how he wants to do it. Um, I close with this thought. I, I once heard the story about a man who 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 was deep, who deeply, deeply loved his, his child. He had he had a daughter, one daughter, and his his wife stayed at home with the child, and she would take care of all the child's needs and. Soon as the father hits the door, the child starts whining and crying because she wants to, to hold, she wants to be held by her father. And, and, and you know what dads do. Uh, he, he goes down, he picks his daughter up out the crib, and he holds on to her. And night after night and week after week, he does this, and he just holds and holds and holds her. 
and he creates chaos for the mama. Because once he puts the child down, the child continues to want more and more and more. And even during those hours where the father is off doing his business and the mom was there with the child, you know, this baby wanted to be held because the daddy always took time to hold her. And the mom's thought was, well, listen, if, if this child is fed, if, if, if she's clothed, uh, if she's dry, then there's nothing wrong with her. And, and, and if she's going to cry, you're just gonna, she's just going to have to cry. But night after night, the dad will come in and pick the child up. Well, one day, um, the mom had had enough. And she told her, her husband, she looked him dead in her eyes. She said, listen, you are creating problems for me. It's fine and dandy when you come home and pick up the child and, and do all this loving on her. But I have to deal with it all throughout the course of the day. And I forbid you to pick her up out of her crib. <laughs> now the dad is in complete anguish because the, the child's arms are extended because they, she, 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 wants, she wants her dad to pick her up. She wants to be lifted up out this crib, but the mom had already told him, you better not, you better not pick her up out of that crib. And then the mom leaves. The husband is conflicted. He, he wants to do what his wife says do, but he also wants to spend time and pick up his daughter. She's wailing now. She's, she's upset. She's crying because she realized that the dad is not picking her up. And he doesn't know what to do. And as he's getting ready to, to walk out the door in complete misery, it dawned on him. <laughs> he looked down at his child. He said, he said, baby, your mama said that I can't pick you up out of this crib, but she never said I couldn't join you in it. <laughs> hey, and that's what God does for us. Sometimes God does not deliver us from our circumstances, but we have a God that's good enough to step down in the crib and join us in our circumstances. Hallelujah. The great I am steps down from eternity into the cribs of our lives and joins us right in the pit of our despair. Woo! Every head bowed. All eyes are closed, please.